section one of the daredevil of the army experiences as a buzzer and dispatch rider by austin patrick Cocorin. this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter one the author starts for berlin on a motorcycle and finds himself presently on the marne part one we are awaiting our turn to get aboard the biscay which is lying at her berth in southampton it is seven in the evening and we have been riding all day covering the hundred odd miles between chatham and the sea our trip has left us dusty and damp with sweat and our reception is not tending to relieve our discomfort lined up beside us some two thousand tommies are scanning us with the frank criticism of their kind our bikes obviously provoke their amusement and we ourselves their half-tolerant contempt occasionally a fragment of their conversation floats towards us indicative of their general attitude of mind who the hell are them blokes anyway nobby one regular remarks to another going to fight on bikes be they gone replies nobby with his air of superior wisdom they ain't going to war they's going to a rice rice me i look at their uniforms and then evidently for the first time he looks at them closely himself and surprise replaces the disgust in his tone god almighty if they ain't too up gwine to ride over the kaiser sonny he puts the question impertinently to the man nearest him for answer he receives a silent scowl and almost voluntarily we all stiffen to attention only to be reminded somewhat sharply of our own rawness after all we are but amateurs at his professional game only a week ago it is still but august the seventeenth we were civilians with no thought of entering the service now though we wear the king's own coat and two corporal stripes adorn our sleeves we can scarcely claim the title of soldiers rigid and severe we are striving to hide our discouragement under an air of indifference when suddenly the voice of the sergeant-major comes booming across the dock now will you gentlemen a pause on the appellation emphasizes its intended sarcasm kindly try to get those bikes of yours aboard instantly a shout goes up from the assembled regiment the sergeant-major has excellent lungs and amid general jeering we approach the gangplank rotten blighters i hear a mutter in front of me so we the first civilians to take part in the great war leave england for france and the front at seven thirty after much shouting and shrill screeching of whistles we finally get under way 
my motorcycle stowed safely in the after-well deck i seek a quiet corner outside the marconi cabin on the hurricane deck and squatting on a coil of rope settle myself to think it is my first time in ten days to indulge in such exercise all round me is a buzz of conversation i can hear the clank of an occasional mess tin as some well-seasoned regular proceeds to make himself at home looking about i see some dozen of his kind coats open at the collar belt unloosened sprawling on benches or on the floor and the sight of them makes me horribly homesick you're a hot-headed idiot i decide to myself always rushing to the rescue before you know the house is afire and i heartily wish myself back in the cool grove of corrientes for it was at barcelona that the first mutterings of the storm found me austria and serbia on the brink of war the balkans did not interest me russia coming to the rescue i got a letter from home there was chance of our being caught in the whirlwind hot on the heels of this came the news that germany was mobilizing and france preparing for her own defence i crossed to england just in time to hear the first cry for volunteers then it seemed to come as the answer to a prayer if there was any form of adventure which life had still to offer me i did not know it at the time i had hunted in the heart of africa had ranched in bolivia had sailed twice round the earth and seen all its civilizations but still i was only twenty-six and not yet surfeited with errantry what next war the greatest of all adventures i had not thought to find it in my time it was in such spirit that i joined the army no band played me into a recruiting office no call of patriotism stirred my heart or conscience i know i am only confessing my own sins but on my head be they just one consideration gave me pause for a moment again i reveal my lack of grace i know something of discipline in the navy i surmised it might be similar in the army and i had no desire to experience its tedium to get to france without the dull preliminary drilling of a camp that was my only object and when the special call came for university men to form a corps of motorcycle dispatch riders i fought my way to the recruiting office like the rest it was quick work i passed the doctor proved myself competent to handle a bike went to chatham to get my equipment and now here i am rigged out in his majesty's regimentals jeered at by his soldiers looked askance at by his officers a bloomin civilian button in on a soldier's business 
lonely old chap i feel a hand on my shoulder and look up into a pair of grey scotch eyes my name's grant he holds out his hand i take it and so meet my best friend a dundee lawyer about my own age he has joined for more serious considerations something of a student he saw a crisis was coming something of a sportsman he wanted to be in the thick of it so he handed his business over to a locum tenens a man too old to serve and hurried up to london to join for a while we talk on general topics then on that nearest our hearts can we undisciplined hastily picked men really stand the shock of a battle is a soldier's business just a matter of nerve or does it require training the powers that be have frankly acknowledged they are trying an experiment in thus choosing us the military men have scoffed at their confidence are we to set a precedent in favour of individual initiative or are we merely to be horrible examples it is ten o'clock before we realise that it is time we have food but where to get it our equipment does not include it just a tick says grant and leaves me for a moment to return with a package of sandwiches that he had carefully stowed away into the tool bag of his machine those finished we nose round in search for more secluded corners we want to sleep and we have not yet learned to do it gregariously finally we decided in favour of one of the boats that has been turned in down we throw ourselves on the cover thanking heaven we have learned to rough it that ride has insured us against the risks of insomnia dawn wakes us to a raucous sound of snoring and a distant vision of the french coast on which havre stands out a black dot on the dim grey line it is grant who rouses me to full consciousness come on let's look for a wash i follow him sleepily we trudge the ship over thoroughly upper deck lower deck middle deck all the other decks but no sign of water can we see nor do we meet others bent on a like quest we have decided that bathing is a luxury not allowed to soldiers and are proceeding to return to our nook when a sudden turn brings us up sharply against a spruce shining major whom we learn to be the second in command of the battalion on board we have saluted in our self-conscious rookie fashion and are passing when he halts us with a raised hand we stop and are thus ensnared into our first lesson in the nice etiquette of the army corporal yes sir grant is the spokesman what are all you people with bikes doing aboard grant informs him we are the motorcycle dispatch corps 
dispatch riders why i had no idea there were so many in the british army how long have you two been in five days sir the major whistles then looks us quizzically over five days and you're going straight into the fun rather risky eh we shrug our shoulders and he turns to go when grant brings him up abruptly with a query did he know where we could manage to get a wash the enormity of the crime in a corporal's thus addressing a major on matters of personal cleanliness hardly comes home to us even after his lecture we are rather hot under the collar when he finishes his harangue though he delivers it with all possible consideration but his next move more than makes up for the humiliation for he takes us to his own room for a regular wash he was a thoroughly decent sort that major by the time we have finished everyone is awake and the ship is tying up alongside the wharf all around is a din calculated to deafen tender ears the clang of accoutrements being adjusted mess tins rifles bayonets and then the mad cheering of the people on the dock half the civilian population of france or so it seems to me must have had word that les anglais were arriving they have gathered there with flags food tobacco though it pleases us still their excitement makes us sheepish what a fearfully demonstrative people they are we haven't yet realized the imminence of their peril and their sense of safety in being backed by the british fleet it is an hour before the biscay has disgorged her men and cargo a young officer meets us on the dock and lines us up away on the right telling us to await further orders meantime our critics the tommies have drawn up in company formation soon they are ready for their road where it leads heaven only knows just as they receive the order quick march there comes an irish voice bellowing from the bridge of the boat we are leaving behind so long mike a man in the ranks looks back and waves so long tim it's a long way to tipperary he shouts instantly a laugh goes up from the troop and a rollicking voice starts the song it's a long way to tipperary soon the whole company has taken it up and so for the first time of many hundred in france i see our men swing off to battle to the air of the popular tune a strange sense of desolation sweeps over me as i watch them go somehow their jaunty air of recklessness brings home to me for the first time the grim reality of the enterprise i am embarked on i glance at the men beside me lined up so quietly with their bikes 
perhaps i am only seeing through the haze of my own feelings but they too strike me as strangely silent and subdued but we get no time to indulge our desolation for no sooner has the dock cleared of the tommies than our officer presents himself again you will ride to rouen and report there to the transportation officer who will direct you to your different sections his voice is very formal at first then changes abruptly to a more cheery note off with you he orders then as i am proceeding to mount i happen to be at the head of the line he hands me an envelope to be delivered to the transportation officer i learned later that it contained a note identifying us we are halfway across the dock when a happy thought strikes him cafe to your right as you go out he hollers we hear him we would have heard if we had been miles off we make for it with all the haste of the really hungry and as i eat my omelette and drink my cafe au lait i have my first opportunity to size up en masse the men who are henceforth to be my companions an english poet commemorating the early deeds of the dispatch rider named him perhaps appropriately the daredevil a less enthusiastic gentleman describing him since has called him a glorified messenger boy as a matter of fact he may be either one or both according to the character of the fighting in trench warfare he is more liable to be the latter but there were no trenches when we went to france the duty of a dispatch rider as everyone knows is to carry confidential messages of urgent importance from one staff officer to another they may be from a general to a general they may be merely from a colonel to a captain always they are from one commissioned man to another which is the reason why he wears a corporal's stripes according to the regulations of the british army no man in the ranks may approach such an officer of his own accord unless accompanied by a non-com and non-coms or non-commissioned officers are naturally of too much importance to be spared as permanent escorts were it not for this detail of army etiquette the dispatch rider would be no more than a mere private as to the method of performing his duty there is no definite rule when we received our instructions in london they were practically summed up in the following sentence deliver your dispatch as quickly as you can and then return to your own section the how and the when we were informed would be matters for our own discretion and much discretion we needed at times suppose a dispatch rider meets with an accident on the road and his bike is put entirely out of commission 
unseen and unsuspected shell craters explosions that fling both man and machine off the road are everyday occurrences in this job even if the man escapes unhurt he can't foot the distance always if the matter is urgent and there are miles to go a special provision allows him the privilege of commandeering on such occasions any vehicle that may come his way whether it be horse or car and whoever be the occupant but there was a man once who after tramping a couple of miles could find no conveyance except that occupied by a general he had courage however so he turned the general out but oh what a tirade he brought on his own head afterwards he received a decoration for his audacity when the general who fortunately had a sense of humour had had time to recover his dignity and his temper but i should hate to have been in his shoes there were scores of us of course who ordered officers out of their saddles and diverted army service corps trucks out of their destined route and the curses that accompanied us on our journeys were not always pleasant to hear if our instructor had substituted the word diplomacy for discretion he would have been somewhat nearer the mark again there is always the danger when the armies are on the move and not engaged as they were later on stationary destruction of coming full tilt into a straggling enemy troop if you fall into the hands of the enemy said our mentor destroy your dispatch at all costs otherwise they may divert it to their own staff officers and then what a coup for the hostile strategists the usual method in such a case was to eat it or rather to swallow it whole the authorities careful as usual of our digestions as a rule wrote it on slim tissue paper that would almost melt in the mouth occasionally we had sufficient time to burn it but not often occasionally too after destroying it as a precaution we escaped to meet this emergency which was also foreseen we had orders to memorize our message always before starting so that in case of necessity we could deliver it by word of mouth this rule in its turn led to further complications the enemy knew that we had our dispatches learned by heart if they caught us and failed to find papers on our persons immediately such a cross-questioning began as might well confuse even a seasoned criminal usually this was met by a closed mouth which no threat of death would serve to open this in turn was met with a new ruse before very thorough detective work had eliminated the menace it was no unusual thing to meet men wearing our uniform and speaking our language but serving on the staff of his imperial majesty of germany 
and not on that of king george they would have been very glad to induce us to part amicably with our information it was to circumvent such gentlemen that our last order was issued the dispatch must be delivered in person to the officer to whom it is addressed that was all a unique simplicity marked our entire training i decided when they dismissed me in london that it would take a fool to fail and comparing my job with that of a private on the line i felt that the war office has no high respect for my intelligence consequently as i looked round me that morning in the havre cafe at the men selected for the cycle corps i was astonished at the lavish hand that would waste such material on such crude and casual work out of the twenty assembled round me not more than two had failed to graduate from either oxford or cambridge and they were professional men of high standing in their own line far above the type that might be deemed suitable for a competent regular yet it was not so much trained intelligence that marked them as a group as a native ability a certain keenness a quality of initiative that would augur well for their readiness to meet an emergency physically too they were far above the average about three of them fell short of a full six feet a few would top that height by a few inches all of them had proved their power to handle a gun with ease and shown an intimate knowledge of the moods and mechanism of motorcycles which facts in themselves constituted a guarantee that they had lived rather largely in the open if further evidence was needed it was supplied by their appetites voulez-vous donner moi un autre omelette someone asked madame in his best nigger french he had already consumed two of those substantial concoctions mais monsieur madame a plump pleasing person throws up her hands in horror then remembering the instincts of her trade runs off and is back with it in a few moments we are kept waiting by him i learn later that his name is poole but not even our outspoken impatience could induce him to hurry by the time he is finished however we have mapped out our routes and by nine o'clock we are well on our way to rouen it is a glorious morning as we skim along the rue de nationale at full throttle our spirits rise to the point of exuberance poole comes in for most of our surplus mental energy though he weighs about two hundred and fifty pounds he is riding a two and a quarter horsepower douglas lawrence a rather decent chap offers to change suggesting that the giant will never make the journey safe on his small machine indignant poole offers to race him to rouen for ten shillings probably 
it was our desire to keep even with the contestants that brought us into that town in record time we arrived there about noon it is another hour before we can find the transportation officer finally we locate him at a rest camp it seems we are to be split up into sections along the various parts of the line poole lawrence grant and i are to be attached to the second cavalry brigade what luck we have chummed up already the next lap of our journey is to end at amiens where we will be directed straight to the fighting line with luck we will be in the thick of it in another day it is august the twenty fifth nineteen fourteen the contemptible british expeditionary force in france under field marshal sir john french is falling back before the numerically overwhelming german army from the bavay maubeuge positions the second corps under sir horace smith dorian is retreating with orderly haste on the le catou lanrices line their rear protected by a troop of cavalry and in a little farmhouse outside the former town we are endeavouring to keep open communications in a temporary signal office which leaves much to be desired it is a dark dirty hovel one wonders at the family's reluctance to leave it but our haste gives us no leisure to make a choice in a remote corner of the kitchen the telephone operator has set up his switch on a wooden pedestal labelled jam all along the wall where still hang the cooking utensils are ranged the telegraphers busily clicking their morse keys if visible evidence is needed of the urgency of their tasks it may be gathered from the positions of their woodbines instead of depending at the usual angle from their lower lips they now stick jauntily behind their ears removed from the rest at a position near the window the subaltern a mere boy on whom responsibility has thrust age sits anxiously poring over his maps and charts which tell of the positions of the lines and cables that an enemy shell may at any moment cut exhausted men on whose faces is a four days growth of beard already matted with summer sweat and summer dust heavy-eyed with sleeplessness hollow-eyed with strain they work with the dogged intensity of desperation line down on the road to cambray the man has to scream to drown the gun roar with a curse a lineman sets out on his job last two dispatch riders not yet returned sir this message is meant as a reminder the subaltern looks up pauses a moment as if to consider those dispatch riders had left around five o'clock it is now five thirty and landrasses is but five miles away they should be back unless some disaster has overtaken them with sudden decision 
the subaltern puts his head through the neighbouring window and shouts in the general direction of the barn next two dispatch riders at the sound of his voice four men spring to their feet they had been lying full length in the dirty yard a somewhat cooler spot on this hot august evening than their quarters the cow-house they are the remaining four of the six dispatch riders who go to form this motorcycle section let us present them before they are separated by the impending journey a couple of weeks ago a casual glance might have sized them up as gentlemen now even a close scrutiny might have measured them as tramps true they are clad in the uniform of the british army but it is so covered with dirt as to have lost even its nondescript hue the coat which a regimental tailor buttons smartly to the throat is thrown open to admit the sultry air and a cap which a kind quartermaster places so trimly on the head has been replaced by a large handkerchief the colour of which is somewhat shady only the belts at the waist from which depend business-like revolvers and the maps slung securely over the shoulders betray their fitness for the part they are to play of which their bikes much cleaner looking objects than their owners give further convincing evidence who are they well there is grant of the grey scotch eyes he from whose mouth hangs the dun pipe and there is hudson the belfast architect now rivalling the grimiest of his bricklayers and there is harrison the cantab undergraduate whose people were so decent about his age a scrupulous father might have held him back a couple of years lastly there is myself a different person from that particular young man whom a short time ago we found looking so eagerly for a wash two weeks on the line have taught us the unimportance of such trifles as cleanliness what's a dirty neck more or less with death staring you in the face life itself is the possession that we have now learned to prize and war the great romantic adventure has developed into a wild scurry to dodge the bursting of a shell hudson and harrison are next on the list but grant and i accompany them to the farmhouse door in case the subaltern might care to choose us for this crisis harrison has only arrived the day before but it's his turn and it seems he has to take it you know what to do that's right swallow it if they get you remember there are stray ullens about and poole and lawrence may have been caught now for the directions go together to the crossroads those with the crucifix then take separate routes to the town one of you may get through if the two don't a pleasant prospect the subaltern looks at harrison as he presents it 
as if expecting some protest from the new recruit but none comes and the youngster their age and station but for an accident is suddenly moved to put out a hand good luck he gives each a grip in turn before they double out of the room better strap the thing on your forefinger old chap advises hudson with the wisdom gleaned in a week he is referring to the precious tissue paper handier to your mouth that way it takes them but two minutes to memorize the message and then they mount and are off on the darkening dangerous road soon the crest of a hill hides them and left alone we lie down again among our new accomplishments is a facility for sleeping anywhere but before slumber could come to soothe us we hear voices nearby and we listen some straggling tommies are talking and we are the subject under discussion not so bad for bloomin civvies says one apropos of our departed friends we feel that we have accomplished much in these two weeks end of section one